Have you ever been in a meeting that didn't go well? I know, that's a silly question. What about this? Have you ever been in a meeting that did go well? And why, if your experiences have been anything like mine, are the good meetings so much rarer than the bad ones? More importantly, what can we do to flip the script, to move meetings from being a waste of time to being powerful tools for organizational improvement? Today's episode is going to help us do just that. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Michelle Mattoon is the Executive Director of the National School Reform Faculty, or NSRF. She works with schools and educators across the country and around the world to implement critical friend group trainings, strategic planning sessions, and other work related to collaborative learning. Michelle is also the president and owner of Coltrane Group, a consulting firm that offers facilitation and mediation services, as well as tailored collaborative trainings to businesses and other organizations outside the education arena. Michelle is obsessed with intentionally building healthy, productive communities through specific collaborative structures. As such, she is the primary editor of NSRF's training handbooks and the author of many articles, protocols, and activities dedicated to this topic. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Frederick. It's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a winding road for us. I think we've been talking about <laughs> doing this for about six months, so it's yes. good to finally be here. <laughs> yeah, we're busy people like everybody else in the world. Yes. So, Michelle, we always like to start with celebrations. What are you celebrating today? Um, today, I'm celebrating us um, getting over the summer because the summer for us as a, a organization that does professional development for educators is our busiest three months of the year. So oh, I would say two thirds of our trainings um, are during those three summer months. And so shoo, I can take a breath now and we can work on um, developing new trainings, which we're doing, and also re-editing some of our old ones to, to bring them more up to speed current. So I'm celebrating that. Thanks mm -hmm. for asking. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. So I don't usually piggyback my own celebrations into the podcast episodes, but 15 minutes before we got on, I literally wrote the last line to the conclusion of my book. And hey, yeah, this is the fourth edit. And I'm sending it out after this podcast to some people who have kindly agreed to review it. So 
super excited. Yay, fingers crossed. Want to crossed. honor, honor your yes. celebrations, but I'm kind of bursting. <laughs> no, that's a that's a big one. Good for you. I'll be looking for the book when it comes right. out. Let me know. Michelle, is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing the work you're doing? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's as much of a story as it is a shared experience that I think we've all had, and I've certainly had it. So imagine you're in a meeting and it's not going well. <laughs> there are maybe, you know, three people who do the most talking. And not only do they do the most talking, but they repeat themselves, they go on and on, they may, you know, veer from whatever agenda we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so they're the big talkers sucking up a lot of the meeting airtime. And then there's that group of people. And, you know, they may get a few words in here or there if they really fight for it. And then finally, there's this also group that you never hear from. And you're not really sure why you're not hearing from them. Did they just buy out completely? Are they just shy and, you know, can't jump in there, even though they have amazing, wise things to say? Who knows? But that's part of the meeting. The second thing is that it starts late. You were there on time, but it starts late, which probably means that it's going to end later too. That doesn't make you feel good. Um, there was supposed to be an agenda. Maybe there is one. Maybe we're following it. Maybe we're not following it. And by the time people go on and on talking, really two hours have passed and you leave the meeting and you say to yourself, that is two hours of my life. I am never going to get back. And you know, you're going to have to talk about it all over again because no action steps or specifics was, you know, made during that meeting. So really, I never thought that my job was going to be to try to teach people how to meet in efficient and effective ways. But really, that's what I do. That's what our organization does. And um, I re really love helping people do that now. <laughs> Michelle, as you described that, I'm sitting here nodding my head vigorously. And I know everyone listening is nodding <laughs> Why can't we meet? Uh, and I was in higher ed for 13 years. So as bad as meetings can be in K-12, higher ed seems to have figured out how to, how to 10 times that, as well <laughs> as I do work with government and nonprofit leaders. Mm -hmm. And those folks are always in meetings. And one of the biggest complaints of nonprofit and governmental leaders is the amount of times they spend in meetings where there is no follow-up. Right. Yes. And, and I work with businesses too and other organizations with my own consulting company. Same thing. It's, it's a human being problem. It's not an education problem. It's a human being problem. We think we can get together and know how to meet. And we kind of do. I mean, we, if we sat down and really thought about what makes a good meeting, um, you know, we could do it. I've done it with hundreds of groups. 
but it's it's something you have to do intentionally. And it seems like nobody was ever taught how to do it, which just seems crazy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most common things we do. So this is what I'd like to do is real quick, just highlight kind of the bullet points of the difference between a productive meeting and an unproductive one. And you've you've already hinted at those, but let's just spell them out. And then I'd like to talk a little bit about the pre-planning process of leading yes. up to the meeting, because that's yes. a place that I know I struggled with until I think I figured something out. And then you've been kind enough to share a meeting agenda template with me. So maybe then we can kind of walk through the steps of the meeting and then go to the follow-up. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, so I think what makes a good productive meeting is uh, just in general, you have to know what you're meeting about. So there has to be an agenda and there has to be a purpose for the meeting and there has to be um, objectives. So everybody in the meeting knows why we're meeting and what we're supposed to be doing when we're in the meeting, right? That just makes so much sense. And that is something that often doesn't happen. And we should be getting that. I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we should be getting that before the meeting. So we know what to expect. When we're in the meeting, what makes a good meeting is that we have a structure to the meeting. We just don't have agenda items, but the meeting is structured in some such a way that we assign times, things are timed, we have we move into specific action steps if that's what is required. So there's time in the agenda to do that. And there has to be somebody who's leading the meeting, whose job it is to lead the meeting. And oftentimes I will say, if you really want it to be productive, that person shouldn't be involved in actually meeting. That person should just be involved in leading the meeting. Now, sometimes you can be involved, but if it's, you know, hard decisions have to be made, if there's voices that are on both sides that need to be heard, it's best for that person just to be in charge of leading the meeting. And by the way, it's really important to hear all voices. So that leaves a productive meeting, not just those three people who talk all the time. And that means that you have to have a way to make sure that you're hearing their voices um, in one way or another. Um, and you should not allow people to wander off a cliff or out into the rural areas if you are leading the meeting. You are the person who's supposed to keep things on track. Um, and we can talk about devices to be able to do that um, as we go. But but that is, is really important. And there needs to be notes taken clear so that, again, after the meeting, we can all say, oh, yeah, we made those decisions or that's what we decided. And I should be able to know where those notes are. And so that I can look in case I need them later. So those are just some of the things that have to be made. I mean, I think the other 
piece of it is that the people in the meeting need to participate and they should not be distracted by other things as much as possible, right? So there's there, there need to be some set of norms, agreements for how we do our best work together. So I could go on and on, but I think those are the big points. Um, and, you know, talking through like different parts of the meeting, I think are a good, good way to, to get into that detail. Yes. And I know people are really going to want to hear specific strategies for reining in people who are going off the ranch. And I know even, I feel like I'm competent in leading meetings and, and in training, and even in training, we do a lot of group share. And that person that I know, I'm cringing and waiting. <laughs> please, please stick to two sentences. So we'll go there. But let's let's start with that beginning and that purpose. And I, I had uh, a mentor of mine, Dr. Jackie Jacobs, who was my department chair when I was at Western Carolina. And I remember the first time that we had a scheduled department meeting and she'd asked people to forward items for the agenda. And a couple of days before the meeting, she emailed out and she said, I haven't received any items. There's nothing pressing coming from the dean's office or wherever. I don't think we need to meet unless there's something that you need to meet Yay. about. And I just went, <laughs> wow, you mean we don't have to always meet? Mind blown. Yes, you don't. Don't meet just because you you always meet. <laughs> All right. So, so purpose, how, how do we even get at that purpose? How do, it seems like there's two kinds of meetings, right? There are the meetings where we're working on a specific project, something where there is an assumed purpose, which isn't always explicit as to what the objectives are for that meeting. Right. So that's mm -hmm. a component. And then we have those standing meetings, which I think can be some of the the worst ones. So two different types of meetings, how for each one, how do, and maybe there's another one, but how do we get at the purpose? How do we get that for the participants in the meetings? Yeah. I, I think that, I think you're right. You have to decide what kind of meeting is this? Is this, you know, our weekly meeting where we're just going to go through and talk about what we did last week and what we're going to do this week and um, what challenges we have, what help we need. You know, if it's that kind of meeting, then, you know, you just make that, that's the purpose. Our purpose is to, um, you know, exchange information about what's happening. Um, and sometimes in those meetings, you might have to make a decision or two, but generally they're decisions that aren't a big deal. But if, if that's, if you are going to, that should be part of the purpose of the meeting. We're going to share information about where we happen to be and we are going to do this, these decisions, right? That's gonna be important. But I think that if it's a project or there's something that we're really working on, we need to do, that has to be explicitly stated. And you know, let's say we have an initiative we're going to roll out. And we want to talk about the first stages of that initiative. Then I think that's an important thing to say. We're planning on rolling this out this year. We are going to talk about our first steps. We might also think about what obstacles might get in our way. Um, and, you know, whatever it is, that's what we're going to spend our two hours. And I think, 
you know, having the desired outcomes in that as well. So part of that purpose is, so when we leave the meeting, we want to accomplish X, Y, and Z. That's what we're heading for. Um, now, maybe you don't, maybe you only get to X, but still you were hopeful and, and at least you got to X and people know where we're heading. So I think that purpose is important. Not just talking, say, we're going to talk about a problem, but really explicitly as you can state what that problem is. We are going to discuss this and we would like to leave with a decision. Michelle, I'm gonna, what we're going to do. I, I want to jump in there because I, I love that about stating the problem. And as you've been talking, I've been thinking about IEP meetings, which actually may be some of the the smoothest meetings from a from a technical perspective, right? The best run mm -hmm. meetings that we have in schools because the clarity of the purpose is right there. We right. all know why we're there. We've gotten things ahead of time, ideally. And so we're coming prepared to make a decision. What I just heard, something that I think I would begin doing if I was back in my special ed coordinator days is... I think I might include this idea of what are the what are the sticking points? Yes, we want to do this IEP. Mm -hmm. Let's really be aware that there are these couple things that we want to be able to devote discussion to. That's at breaking down into objectives. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's important. And I think that, you know, that way people will feel better if they also feel like let's make sure we talk about those things. But if people aren't aware of them, it's just another good way to say, heads up, think about this a little bit before we get to this meeting. So I really love that. And what role should collaboration play in setting the agenda? Okay. So I always give this little speech when I do the trainings for, for leadership. And I talk about, you know, you have to be careful about how you set up the meeting, who's going to make the agenda, but also who's going to ultimately make the decision. Because nothing breaks trust faster than a leader who says, okay, we're going to talk about this problem and we're going to make a decision. And then the group does make a decision. And then two weeks later, they find out that no, it was decided by the leader or by another little group of people to make a completely different decision. And what that says to the group who spent their hour or two making that decision is, we just wasted our time and they don't care what we think. So I think it's going to be really important for whoever it is who's, who's running that meeting um, to think about do I need a group? Is this the, the ownership of a group of people that we need to make sure we've got the right agenda? Or ultimately, am I bringing this to the group? And um, I'm either going to say, look, I'm bringing this to the group. I want your feedback. I will be making the decision, but I, I really would love to hear what you have to say about it. Or if I'm saying, okay, well, I'm bringing this to the group and I'm going to let you guys make the decision. It's in your hands. We'll live with it for six months and we'll decide 
Should we keep it this way? Or maybe we should do something different. So just being really clear about that. And that clarity of purpose helps you decide who should be making the, you know, the agenda, um, but also who should be making the decisions in the end. Michelle, I just literally wrote down the word clarity and double underlined it right before you (laughs) said that. And so I want to highlight this to listeners that the purpose of the meeting is not to discuss implementation of PBIS. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the meeting might be to make a collaborative team decision about how to proceed on this. What is our next step or our next three steps? Or it could be, I need to make a decision about the next three steps and I need to be better informed and I want your perspectives. But we need that specific clarity so people know why they're coming. Yeah, that's super important. And, you know, again, the um, ramifications of not being clear can be huge. You wouldn't think it. And I think leadership often isn't clear about that. Like if I am not doing what people think I'm doing or, or, you know, maybe I'm not being as transparent as I could be, then that's a problem that can really sow discontent and make people feel a lack of trust. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to sharing the agenda or building that agenda. I know for those standing meetings, I chaired and led principal licensure programs for way too long. (laughs) And when I first started, I would ask people for agenda items, and then I would put together an agenda, and then I would ask them, does this look okay? And then you're waiting, right? right? So so what I finally learned to do later was to put together what I thought the agenda would be and send that out and say, if you want additions, if you have comments, please let me know by Wednesday, right? So that I can have this to you several, several days ahead of time. So did I find the mark there? Could I have improved that even more? I I agree with you. I had that aha moment early on too, that you have to assign a deadline. And I would even assign a time on that day. I need to have it Wednesday at three o'clock because sometimes people send it Wednesday, you know, at 1158 at night. And it's like, no, that's not going to work. Yeah. And it it is such a powerful and really small change instead of saying, let me know what you think to actually make the default. I'm going to act on this unless I hear from you. Right. 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 Because then people had a chance. So they can't come back and complain at the same time that you're giving people that opportunity. You're not hamstringing yourself. Yeah. I think it's really important that that piece of saying I asked and you didn't respond. And here's the evidence. <laughs> like I, I do, and if you make it a routine, then it's even more guaranteed to get responses when you need it because people will be expecting you to say that. Yeah. And they know if they have something, they really need to do it now because you're serious. And that's the other thing. If you're going to give a deadline, you need to keep that deadline unless something huge emergency thing comes up. Because if If you don't, if you have a deadline and then you say, oh, okay, then that, 
you know, it's like, it's like being a parent and kids pushing that boundary, you know, they know it's okay. We'll, we'll just continue to send things late. And he's a good guy. He'll, he'll be all right with being a, you know, I'll just bring it up in the meeting. It'll be fine. So let's do two more preliminary things. So one is, should I assign homework? And I'm using that term loosely, but if we have a clear purpose and we have clear objectives, does it make sense to ask people at the very least to think about some of these things and have some comments ready, or maybe it's even more substantive of, you know, offering written feedback or doing some research on the front end. Is that fair to do? I think it's, it's not only fair to do, I think it's important to do so that you don't blindside somebody. You know, if you're expecting them to be informed about something and you didn't tell them you're expecting them to be informed, to have a good conversation, then, you know, that's a huge problem. You know, really letting people know we're, here's our purpose. Here are the things we're going to do. This is what we want away with. And that means that maybe you in particular, we need to hear from you because you have some background information about this or whatever, or here's a link to something where please just read through this. Think about what, what your thoughts are, because we're going to spend part of that meeting and people are going to share their thoughts. So again, to be really transparent as possible, because if people know that they're going to be sharing or that there's going to be something they have to do around that thing, they'll be much more likely to do it, to read it, to research it, whatever it is, because you've told them you're going to call on them. So you also touched on the idea of that information kind of just need to know stuff. And I think, again, one of my gross and running meetings was taking those FYI items and just tacking them, creating a section at the bottom of our agendas that said FYI, and we were not going to talk about those, right? Because all they were was informational and you could read them on your own. That worked in my situation, but I also can imagine, uh, I've heard people say, well, if I don't talk about it, they won't read it. But I imagine there's a solution to that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, it's just one of the common complaints. I, there, there are a few very common complaints, and one is that um, this could have been an email. You know, you 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 had us come in, you talked at us for an hour, and you could have just sent an email. But if that's true, then it's your responsibility as the person who gets the email to actually read it. And I have found that if you have maybe, I don't know, color-coded emails or important or however you want to make a particular email stand out, um, that's really important because people get inundated with emails. I mean, it's not surprising. Um, but I also encourage people Instead of sending an email, is there a way you can send that information um, in a different way so that it would be more likely to capture that person's attention? You know, do you have like, you know, 
Google, you know, chat or whatever it is, is there another way you could actually give people that information? And that's the channel that you need to look at for the important stuff. Um, so there are ways to get around it. But I think in the end, you and I know, Frederick, that there's always going to be those people who don't do anything, no matter how much you try to prepare them. And so when you're running a meeting, you've got to be prepared for the people who didn't do anything. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into running the meeting then. We've set out our agenda. We have a clear purpose. We have clear objectives that we need to address before we get out of here. So we sit down. Now what? We've got a 10 o'clock meeting. We're in We're in there at 9.50. Right. I hope we are. I hope Let's we take are. It from, but... <laughs> take it from 9.50. What happens? Okay. So I'm just going to backtrack just a tiny bit because really, if you're having a meeting, one of the big decisions you have to make is who needs to be there. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard complaints from people who said, I sat in a meeting, I was told to be there by my boss, and I, nobody ever asked me my opinion, really has nothing to do with me, and they just wasted you know, their time. Also, there are meetings where it's super important that one person or two people actually come to the meeting because without them, it can't really be a meeting. They have knowledge or expertise or something that is important and and they don't make it <laughs> and they don't let you know. And then here we all are and we can't meet. So that's important. So let's say, okay, here we are. We got the right people in the room. We think it's um, 9.50. We're going to start at 10. And if you are like most people, it's 9.50 and there might be two people out of 15 there, because that's the way um, it often is. It's become the norm. It's become the norm. And that is a problem that we make of our own, because we often, we schedule meetings from hour to hour to hour, not thinking that people have to actually get from one meeting to another, even if it's just on your computer in Zoom. It, they have to, they have to end the meeting, and then they have to be in another meeting and there's no time. So sometimes it's not their fault. Um, uh, it's the way we have organized our meetings. Um, I will say that it is important to have that list of um, norms or agreements. And one of them can be begin and end on time. And that means that if you're not there at 10, right, at 10, then we start the meeting without you. Um, the other piece of that is it's not okay just to can always be, you know, 10 minutes late either. <laughs> there's, there's a certain respect that people have and, you know, this is part of your job. So that's why it's important for the group to come up with a list of their agreements and they have to hold each other accountable for them. So if one of the conversations you need to have is not just have a list of agreements or norms on your wall, but you have to go over them regularly and you have to say, how are we doing? Are we breaking any of these? And if we are, what can we do about them, about it? And, and that's for the whole group to really make sure happen. I mean, we're all human beings. Things are going to happen. We're going to run late. Our kid's going to be sick, whatever, right? 
but to consistently do it over time, that's not great. So let's say it's 10, almost everybody is there. One person's running late, they let us know, good for them. And um, we're, we're gonna start going. So I think, you know, for me, is this where you want me to run through the, the meeting template, Frederick? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's have our meeting. Let's have our meeting. Okay. <laughs> so in the thing is, is that, you know, who's chairing the meeting? So whoever it is, we know ahead of time, we should know ahead of time who the chair is going to be. That should be part of that email. We know somebody's taking notes. We know who that is. And if we're really smart, we, one of the first things we might do, it's either usually the first thing or the very last thing in the meeting, is we decide who's going to chair and scribe the next meeting. And sometimes it's really easy because it's always the same people. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to rotate that. But to go over the purpose of the meeting, to ha go over again the desired outcomes, and then just start jumping in. In this template, and by the way, if people want to um, get in touch with me, I'm happy to give them the template um, from this. So I'll give my email later. I know you've got it. But there are items to be discussed, right, on every agenda. So we should know what those items are. And there's going to be notes on the discussions of the items. They should also be timed. I don't have my timer right here. But I time everything, everything. And not only do I time everything if I'm running a meeting, but I let my timer ring as loudly as it needs to so that everybody knows our time is out. And that's, that's a facilitation tip that people need to hear because a lot of times we're like, oh, timers, those bells are so rude, you know? But you know what feels more rude? Me saying, sorry, Frederick, your time's over. You need to stop now. <laughs> or as polite as I'm trying to be. It's amazing to me how people can run over somebody else's voice. Okay, people, time's over, time's over. Da-da-da-da, they're still talking, right? But if a timer goes, if the bell, we are so um, conditioned to pay attention to a bell, that we will stop. And so then as a chair, I have a decision to make. Do I add a few more minutes to our discussion? Very intentionally, because I know we need to. Or do I say, okay, that's it. We're ready to make a decision or whatever it is. Um, so please use a timer and please let your bell ring. <laughs> that's my advice. And, and then be intentional. If you haven't had all the discussion, which seems also to be yes. kind of to happen most of the time, but then we we have to say, okay, we've we've used the time we budgeted, or we have five minutes left. Are we going to make our decision now, or are we going to add time and then take time off of agenda item two, or are we or are we going to pick this up at another time? So you list out clearly those options. And should the leader always be the one making that choice? Or is it okay to say to the group, here's where we're at, here's where we are at. You know, which of these things do you want to do? Yeah, I think it it just depends on, you know, what is really urgent and important. You want to get through that. And um, and then I think 
it, I have definitely asked groups, okay, just a quick show of hands, how many people want to spend five more minutes on this topic and get it banged out before we move to the next item? And, um, and really, you can't let there become a decision about extending the time, because literally that discussion about whether to extend the time or not can be longer than the amount of time you were going to extend it. So it really has to be, if you're going to give it to the group, it has to be just a quick hands up if you want to do it. So we've, we've done agenda item one, our timer's gone off. We've yep. done a quick check-in. We're ready to make a decision and people are ready. And so now what do we do? We say we've, we've got that agenda. It is tied to an objective. We're going to make a decision, but then what happens? Okay. So now we're ready to make a decision and we have hopefully heard what everybody has to say. We've weighed it. We have made, um, we understand in our group that it's a majority vote, or we know we strive for consensus, but we understand that it always doesn't work. I am very fond, especially if I think it's going to be a controversial kind of thing. I am, you know, if it's something that hands up is not going to do because people still have a lot of feelings around it, I'll say, all right, here are all the options people have. We could do this, 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 or this. Say there are four things. Give everybody a dot. Okay, put your color dot next to the thing that you want, or maybe two dots, just depends. Um, and then you can, you know, quickly see which decision stands out, you know, the most, and maybe the second one. And then if there are two that really are highlighted, invite some people to say, why this one and not that one? And again, time it very closely. People can talk just about those two, and then you make your final decision about which thing you want to do. So there's like that's priority dot sort of exercise you can do. But then you need to really make sure that you write your decision down. So on the template, there is a place for all decisions that get made. And be as specific and clear as possible with those things. And in the template, I actually also have, let's say you made a decision. So there's certain actions that need to be taken. So we need to know what actions need to be taken. Who are going to make those actions? Who's responsible? And by when? When's the deadline? When do, does this have to happen? That should all be written out. It should all be really clear to the people who have to do it and also to everybody else so they know who to go to. Hey, did you do that? <laughs> did that get done? So I, I think that is such a critical piece and maybe one of the most neglected pieces of a meeting is that one being really clear about what decisions are made but then that action and clear as to who it's assigned to and what the deadline is. That's so important. And the beauty of that is if you follow that, then you probably have the agenda to the next meeting set, right? Because if we went to the trouble of assigning actions, those are going to drive probably a substantive part of the next meeting. Right, right. Those will be part of the minutes to talk about, you know, what we did. And then also now that we've done that, what do we do next kind right. of thing? What, what, what has to happen? Or we couldn't do that. 
because these things came up. Now, what do we do? Right? So we have to, to do a whole nother thing. And really, you can do that for each item. Sometimes there are items where decisions don't necessarily have to be made. And you have to decide if that can be, as you and I discussed, can that be an email? Um, could it be some other kind of communication? Do we really have to all be sitting in a group um, for that to happen? Yeah. So it reminds me again, another one of what I felt was a jump for me in meetings. You know, we, we had a lot of policy things that would come up. Somebody wanted an exception to a rule regarding an internship, or there were changing requirements by the state. And so we needed to make adjustments. And initially that would be a discussion item. And then we talk and we talk and we talk, and maybe we'd finally reach a discussion and what I started to do my last couple of years was think about what seemed to me to be the logical way to proceed. And I would actually craft the, you know, air quotes kind of solution statement, the resolution and send that to people and say, here's what I'm proposing. If this is problematic, let me know by X mm -hmm. date. And if a number of people said that, yeah, this, I, I, I want to talk about this, then it goes on the agenda. But if everybody says, okay, or they Sounds don't respond, yep. then it's a pass and it never even, you know, it doesn't get to the agenda, Yeah, um, which saves so much time. And it's amazing how many people would talk something to death in the meeting, but when you ask them outside, is it worth you emailing me over this? It's not. They're <laughs> Isn't fine. Isn't that funny? It's just, it's this a psychological thing that we have as human beings. And um, it's it's so true. I mean, don't you think, Frederick, that a big part of leadership is just being very clear and organized about things and communicating just enough. Like you don't want to overwhelm people um, because then they won't pay attention, but you need to give them enough information to make things happen or, you know, to make sure that they know you're working on it or they know what's going to happen. So they're in the loop, you know, and they're not, you know, the, the thing about not giving people enough information is that, um, our negativity bias really, uh, kicks into gear. And if, we have to make up a story about what we think is happening because nobody has told us, then it's much more likely to be a negative story than a positive one. Because that's just how our brains work. So, you know, finding that sweet spot is really important when it comes to, to that kind of clarity. Yeah. And I think one thing that can help with that is a kind of TLDR, right? Too long, didn't read. Yep. So yep. you can include all the information, but at the top, here are the five bullet points that you need to take away from yeah. this. If you want more information, read on. That's right. I, I, I love that so much. It's really, really important. And the other thing we didn't talk about, which I think is important too, is um, having a parking lot. And I think a lot of people know what a parking lot is, but just in case you don't, you know, it's simply a place. Sometimes it's a piece of chart paper or a list on your agenda where, oh, somebody said, wait, we need to talk about this. 
and it's important, but it's not on our agenda. And that way we can park that idea for a later meeting here. We've got it on our list. We're not going to forget about it. That person is assured that it will be talked about in the future and they can let it go and they don't have to take the meeting careening off the cliff because they have this urgent need to not forget about this item. So having a parking lot, which is on the, the template. You have <laughs> so it you just, on the template. And it's just a list that keeps being added. And then you take them off after you've done it. It's really important. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, and that is such a critical point. I, and I've, I've stumbled onto this and I've seen it work. And exactly what you're saying happens. Somebody raises a point that it's important to them. Let's put it on the parking lot. And we'll deal with it the next meeting or the next meeting's already full. We'll deal with it here. And, yeah. And it's or maybe we have to have a special meeting for that thing because it's so important. Whatever yeah. it is, we, you know, people are, can be reassured. <laughs> so on your template, you have items to be discussed. Item one, item two, item three. Where's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Oh, you can 10? just add it. Like I can. <laughs> yeah. Th but I, but it's, it's such a good question. Frederick, because as the person who's leading the meeting or setting the agenda, you need to be aware of how much time those items are going to take. And again, we routinely, I don't know if we really believe this, like, oh, we have seven things. That'll be great. And then you get through <laughs> two of them. Like, do we really think we're going to get through seven things? I mean, somebody has got to be realistic. And if you're yeah. the person who's running the meeting or setting the agenda, it's got to be you. And so it can't be 10 things if you've only got an hour and a half meeting. It it just can't if you, you're going to be making decisions about it. And that. I would suggest if you can get through 10 items in a meeting, you didn't need a meeting. No, that's just, you know, telling people, yeah, just again, send an email. So, um, and, and that's when I, you know, we train facilitators, people to facilitate meetings. And, you know, I say that is one of the key jobs of, as a facilitator to be real with people about how much time it's going to take. I just did some work for a nonprofit here in my own hometown. And they were like, well, there's this big issue. And that's why we want you to facilitate because they needed a neutral person. And, you know, we've got two hours. And I said, no, two hours is not going to cut it. Like, I would love to have a whole day <laughs> for this issue. But if, but the shortest amount of time you can give this issue is going to be like four or five hours. Seriously. And we may not get through all of it, but at least you'll, you'll at least make some headway. I want to, you to be really clear with your board about that. And, you know, at the end of that meeting, <laughs> that person came to me and said, well, I wish we'd gotten to this other thing, but you were right, Michelle. <laughs> and nobody was like mad at me because I didn't get them to that place. It's just knowing how people work and how long it takes people to make a decision. Everything will take longer than we think it is. It's kind of like plumbing. Yes. You can have one or two just in case, but you probably will never get to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and I think there's a psychological thing in leading the meeting 
again, going back to my own experiences, when I began doing it, I have nine items on there. Inevitably, we were covering items. We weren't making decisions. We weren't doing meaningful work. Yeah. Or worse, I would put the the items that I thought would take only a few minutes, I'd put those at the front of the end of the agenda so that we could get through them and then get to the meat of it. Well, you never get to the meat. No. So it it I learned priorities first. And for my group, we could maybe do two things. Yeah. It's really it, knowing how much time you have and being, you know, realistic about what you can actually get through is is super important when you're doing that. Um, and yeah. So again, that's why I say, you know, and I'm just going to call out maybe the um, elephant in the room here, Frederick, which is that just because you are a great leader doesn't mean you're a great person to run a meeting. <laughs> so I, and that's for a number of reasons. Like maybe you haven't had that skill. Um, so get somebody else who's really good at it to do it. And then you can be a part of the meeting. Um, the other time when it might not be great for you to be the person is if you're talking, if people, you really want people to make a decision about something that has a lot of strong feelings on many sides. And if you're running the meeting, you can be seen as manipulating that meeting, even if you're not, even if you're the nicest person in the world and you're really neutral and people love you, it doesn't matter. You are in, in the upper in the um, power hierarchy and it's going to be really difficult for people to see that you are taking a neutral stance on something. So having somebody who's neutral run that. And if you want to be a part of it, that's okay. You're just talking for your, for yourself, but you're not going to be seen as manipulating the whole um, decision-making process. So we've done our agenda. We had our purpose. We had our objectives. We began on time. We've gone through our three items. We've been clear about the decisions being made. We've got our parking lot for those extra things. And we have clear post-meeting action items. Time is coming to an end. Now what? So, and hopefully we've already got our next meeting time and who's going to be chairing it and all of that. So what we need to make sure when the meeting is over is how are these meeting results going to be documented and distributed? So how can I know if I need to look it up? Or, you know, maybe other people outside of the meeting need to know that information. So that is going to have to happen. We want to be able to share these documents with all the stakeholders in some way. And then you have to have a follow-up and follow-through. So are we going to do the follow-up at the next meeting? Or is it my job as the person in leadership to do that follow-up in two weeks' time? It might be a good thing for us to discuss that could actually be another thing that we add under actions or, you know, deadline, which is, you know, here's when you have to have it. I'll be following up, you know, maybe the week before or, you know, on that date just to make sure that it got done or let me know when it gets done, then I don't have to do the follow up. But those kinds of things should definitely have been said. 
And then you can definitely report on the results of the follow-up the next meeting. So how did we do with that? Did that get done in a timely fashion? And if not, why not? Um, Because maybe there was a perfectly good reason why it didn't um, get done. But yeah. And, And so that is such a huge part of making sure... I mean, again, it's a psychological thing. If if you said, okay, I have to do this action, I'm responsible to get it done. And I say to you, okay, great, Frederick. So I'm going to follow up with you two days before that deadline and just see how it's going. If you know I'm going to follow up with you, you are much more likely to make that deadline than if you thought that nobody's really going to be following up on me. I can you yeah. know, do it later than the deadline, whatever. Yeah. And I think too, if you're someone that is leading those meetings, it's safe to put, if you know it's a regular standing meeting, you can put an agenda item in your in your calendar right? You can say, I'm going to take 15 minutes or 30 minutes. I need to follow up on our meeting from last Tuesday on the action items with people. So now you don't forget, right? It is in your calendar scheduled. Yeah. And maybe do that that at the same time that you're getting the agenda ready, right? Mm -hmm. But, But I think that's something else we haven't really talked about, but how do we develop systems and processes that make it easier for us to build, run, and manage the meetings. I think that's kind of a separate piece. We've touched on some of those. We have definitely touched on some of those. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, what I tell people, for example, one of the things I often say to companies or organizations is, so what's your system if somebody has a really great idea and they it could really improve what you do or could be just really important for you, where does that person go? What, what does that person do? And they look at me very blankly. It's like, if you don't have a system for it, it's not going to get done. It just won't. What, what are your systems of communication? What are your systems for follow through? What are your systems for innovation? Like those have to be there. If you don't have one and people don't know what it is, it's not going to get done very well, for sure, if it gets done at all. So feel like we're on the same page here, Frederick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a great thing to kind of start to close on. Michelle, I'm going to ask, and I hope you say yes to coming back on a show where we just focus on reining in air quotes, those people. Could we? Yes. Oh gosh. I would love to have a show about that. Okay. Cause Cause we've helped everybody. Yeah. We've helped everybody with the agenda. (laughs) So we'll do then the troubleshooting part. Cause I think what we've done here is really valuable for people, but then there is that other, other part that we have all experienced. So we'll schedule another time and we'll try to do that soon. That sounds fabulous. This has been so much fun. I have a couple more questions for you. The first one is what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Um, I think the part of my leadership I'm trying to um, improve is, you know, in some ways managing myself so that I can be a better leader to others. Um, I, I really am trying very hard not to believe that I have to do everything and making sure that I have good people that I trust 
and giving people um, a chance to do some things. And it's okay if they make mistakes and it's not perfect or it's not necessarily the way that I would do it. Um, I think that is really, really important. And um, I find myself when my my calendar is overscheduled with things that, you know, I look at it, are these things that I really need to do? Or are there things that other people can do and they might even be able to do them better because they have better skills in that than I do? So really trying to um, concentrate on that piece for myself. It's just so powerful that the way we escape urgent leadership, one of the ways is we have got to be focused on doing the things that only we can do. And sometimes the hard part is not finding people to do those other things. It is us making the intentional decision to let go of control. Yeah, it really is. And it's okay. And that's what I really remind, you know what, if they make a mistake, that's okay. The world is not going to stop. I mean, we're not like operating on people, and, you know, lives won't be lost, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's important to, to be able to do that and to empower people because yeah. what's going to happen when you have to leave and you will at some point. So Michelle, if listeners could take away just one thing from today's very valuable podcast, what would it be? I think the takeaway is if you want to have an efficient and productive meeting, it has to have a structure. It has to be timed and it has to have at the end actionable outcomes um, that are clear. So I think that, you know, hoping, oh, we can just talk through it. Well, we know how that works. <laughs> so there, there has to be some kind of structured process for it. Yeah. Thank you for that. And you've been You've provided the process here. So no excuses for listeners. Any Is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners? I know you have a broad range of experiences. Is there anything else you want to draw on to share with all the assistant principals and school leaders listening? Um, I, I think that, you know, it's, I know that assistant super uh, principals and also principals, just leadership in general, there's so much logistical paperwork, law kind of thing you have to do in that job. And the people part of it is so important. And I'm assuming that that's why most people get into that job, because they like that part. But I think it's really important to make sure that that you at somehow, sometime give that attention to the the people that you're working with and not just get overwhelmed by all the other tasks that are important to you and and to you know find colleagues that you can lean on and coach each other and you know have that because i think sometimes it is lonely <laughs> at the top and um and and that's an important piece I, I would say that our website has a lot of these meeting structures and structures for ways to do these things called protocols. And, um, you know, we have leadership trainings, but, you know, we also have free stuff that's available there that, you know, could be resources that 
that people could use. Okay, Michelle, that's the perfect segue. Where can people find more out about the great work that you're doing? Okay, so our website is probably the best way. Go to nsrfharmony.org. That's our website. Um, you'll We have libraries of protocols. Um, there are free ones that you can look at if you're interested in getting some updated ones or different kinds of trainings, you can look at that. But the website also talks about what we do. And um, in particular, I'm developing an emerging leadership training right now, which is great for brand new assistant principals or anybody, a new head head of department or anybody who's moving into um, a leadership, trying to cover the things that we've been talking about here that you might not necessarily get, you know, when you're in more formal um, education places. So, And can people follow you on LinkedIn or what social media? Yeah. So we are on LinkedIn. I think I gave you all of those um, things where we're on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We we are a nonprofit, so we don't have a huge staff that <laughs> puts out content all the time. But also, you know, again, you can go to our website and if you have a question, um, we will always get back to you. So you, we have a place, a little form you can fill out to email us and we will always get back to you. Right. And we will, of course, include links to all of those things in the show notes. Yeah. Michelle, and this is, yes. I was just going to say, and if you want that template that we've been talking about, you, all you need to do is email me personally, Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E at nsrfharmony.org. And I would be happy to share that with you. And I encourage people to do that because it's much easier to send a short email than to kind of redo your own template when there's already one done. Okay. Don't reinvent the wheel. Michelle, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today. And we are going to get back together soon and do that other episode on reining in those people. Okay. Thank you, Frederick. It's been fun. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Wow. There was so much in this episode. I think Michelle captured the critical points in her summary. So I'm just going to encourage you to email Michelle at Michelle, and that's M-I-C-H-E-L-E, at nsrfharmony.org or visit the NSRF website, oh, that's a mouthful, the NSRF website at www.nsrfharmony.org and get your copy of the template. Don't reinvent the wheel. Now, Michelle and I talked after the show and for our next recording, we will dive into how to manage those people and you know which people I'm talking about, the ones who can turn a dreamy meeting into a nightmare. If there are specific examples or behaviors you would like us to address, please email them to me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com so we can address them on the show. Have those to me by October 31st, 2023 for inclusion on that show. Thank you for traveling this journey with me. Remember, you can learn more about what I'm doing at my website, frederickbuskey.com. 
please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps others find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. 